This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But I, the fact is, a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially as you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing? In order, you know, that that would make it better. Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is, is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that, that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 494, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Yeah! First day in school. Welcome to the Family Pick a League Podcast, episode 494. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello, Connor. And Josh Flanagan. Hello. Oh, how pleasant. Are we actually doing the show? We're all ready to go? We're all ready. We're all ready. I was born ready. I am quite pleased to proceed. <laughs> we are iFanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite comic. We call it the Pick of the Week. We'll talk about that book, other books, talk about some other fun stuff, listener mail. We just try to have a good time. That's all we're trying to do. Nothing more, nothing less. It's <laughs> just spoiler warning. <laughs> well, Josh I have a, an agenda. He has his political agenda. We all know that. <laughs> uh, this is a serious spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be some spoilers, so there you go. And this week, Ron had to pick. Uh, yes, this week I had to pick, and uh, I chose to celebrate the wonderful Astro City with its 25th issue of this current run that's been running since 2013. 
Um, mm. And longtime listeners probably know that Astro City is a is a favorite amongst all three of us. Correct? Yes. yes. Yeah. And I, I don't think you have to confirm that it's been pick of the week like a hundred million times <laughs> in <the> last year. <laughs> <laughs> and then if it wasn't pick of the week, there's always like the crow with the drums, man. I gotta tell you, the the last story arc with the with the drum playing gorilla was fantastic. Okay. Yes. Anyway, but um, but what I thought was interesting about this was that the the um. Uh, so with Astro City number twenty-five, you know, written by Kurt Busiek, um, uh, guest artist uh, Jesus Marino um, uh, filling in for the uh, usual Brent Anderson, and it's funny because for years and years and years, I would have told you Astro City can only be Kurt Busiek and Brent Anderson, mm-hmm. um, but it seems as if they've begun to utilize a fill-in artist uh, to keep it on schedule. And honestly, it didn't, you know, like as much as I like Brett Anderson and enjoy his work, I thought Jason Marino uh, was, you know, doing it in the Astro City style enough, but it, not totally copycatting Brent Anderson. His style was very close to the point where I didn't re- realize it for a few pages. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was in the middle of it and I was like, wait a minute, this is one of them fill-in ones. But, yeah, because uh, it's like it's a little cleaner than Brent. <laughs> re- styles are not quite 1970s. Yeah, exactly. But, um, and so in, in doing for the fill-in issue, this is one of the patented, you know, one issue, one and done, introduce a character, give you the entire backstory and history of the character, give a conflict and a resolution all in the span of 22 pages. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, which is which, which I just find, you know, if you, you know, dollar for dollar, Kurt Busiek is probably one of the best superhero writers ever, and every issue of Astro City just proves it, and and this does it again, and that you got a, we've never seen this character before. What what is her character name? I don't remember what it was. Uh, Dragonfly or whatever it is. Um, Butterfly, but hummingbird. Hummingbird, hummingbird. That's what it is. We've never seen her before. And in this issue, we we meet her mother. We meet we see her mother's origin. We we see we meet her. We find out that she accepted the mantle from her mother, and sh- and she's got powers that they don't quite understand. And it works with the honor guard and and all this sort of stuff. And then you find out where her powers came from, and and it just complete story in one issue, it's, which I think it's is not like that like a complete other world and and set of rules and yep. and it's like a whole universe basically. And, and he does that a lot. And at no point did I feel tired. No. You know, or like, because you know how sometimes when you read, uh, you, you read a book, um, and there's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. I don't mean yeah, it wasn't over. It wasn't overstuffed. It wasn't yeah. like uh, a book I won't name from the New, New 52 launch, but yes. it, it was still very dense, and you still got an entire package. I never at once felt like, we were skimping over anything. I, I felt like this. We had all the information you needed. You yep. knew a lot about her character by the end of it, you, and it was a nice little one shot. Did you notice that they went to Maine again? Kurt Busiek is a thing I for did. Maine. Yeah, I did. I did notice that. I think he, he didn't. He didn't even spell it out. It was super subtle. Yeah. But I was like, he just went to Maine again. He went to Bangor. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> that guy is the thing for Maine. <laughs> but longtime um, listeners may not know that Kurt Busiek brought us uh, one of our favorite characters, uh, Aquaman from Maine. Yes. Arthur Fermin. Oh, Arthur that, Fermin. That, that was Kurt Busiek. I forgot. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I forgot. Even I forgot. Jeez. Um, it's like, <laughs> I feel like Connor right now. Like seven, eight years ago. <laughs> was that eight? No, that was longer. That was like nine, right? I've only been doing it ten. Oh, God. What it was like 15, doing? 20 years ago, I think it was. 
Oh, I've it's wasted. 70s. I've wasted my life. It was in the 70s, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, and I know you guys have been talking about it, but you know, since I've recently returned to the show, I haven't had an opportunity just to 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 marvel at how great this run has been. And so, yeah, we we mentioned it very briefly, like we were just chatting uh, the other day, uh, and then I just immediately read it and I finished it, and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" Another fantastic, like it was like I got to the end of it, and I was like. That was that was wonderful, and yeah. I, I didn't know I couldn't put my finger on why because it was just another issue of this comic book, and I and I I don't know why I enjoy it so much. I, it's like well, it, what what I find fascinating is that Astro City has not been a perfect run, you know, in that in that you, you mean know, overall overall yeah. like if you yes. look at the the oh, total totally. twenty years or whatever of, of oh Jesus Christ twenty years um, <laughs> twenty two twenty two yeah twenty two years of the of the book you had you had you know a really strong beginning. And then you had a weak middle, and then you've got a really strong what I'm not gonna say end, but a really you know a really strong current. third phase, yeah, current yeah. phase. Um, that middle phase with the dark age and all that sort oh. of stuff was a slog. It was like, yeah. and I don't know what made it. I don't because it was Busick and Anderson and doing their thing, and I don't know if it was the extended you know telling a longer stretched out story over eight issues versus a single self contained issue or whatnot. But you know, but this current arc has followed closer to the original formula when it originally started, which was more, you know, you know, two to four, two to three or four issues at most, and right. then a single issue, you know, like that sort of thing. And I think that this formula is what works best for him. And I mean, tw- I, I and the thing was, after I finished reading this issue, I was like, twenty-five issues. Like I didn't. 20, even, that's what I was about to yeah. say. So we got twenty-five issues. I don't remember exactly how long the first age went, uh, but it. Was maybe three six issue chunks. I think so. Let's. See. I think the, there's three trades. There's the original batch, which is six issues. Then there's the confessor part, and then I think there's another little bit after that. But this is more than that. But it, it, you're exactly right. This feels like reading that. Yeah. And it's funny because Astro City is, I think, the only series that I ever went back and made sure I had all the issues for. I own every issue of Astro City, even though they came out before I started reading comics again. Really? Like I had to like hunt for them. Really? Yeah, because they were like, they were like a thing. The first time I got that that first trade, I I I really fell in love with it, and I went and I bought all the issues of Confessor and all the like, and so I have like a straight run up until like through the the Dark Ages, which, which yeah. is unfortunately named. Um, and and I, I mean I have them all digitally now, but that, those first chunks, like I. I, like I collected those. Yeah. Those are the, the only and the last thing I actually collected in issues. So the Dark Age were four miniseries, at four issues apiece. So yeah. sixteen total issues. They took a long time to come out. Yeah, they came out over of course the long years. Yeah. Whereas this has been, I mean, it's it's I, maybe you know it's it's supported. It's 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 a Vertigo book or a DC yeah, book. The the Dark Age took five years for those sixteen issues to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Where, whereas this the, the this run. Has just been like clockwork. Well, I think that uh, he might be healthier. I don't want to speculate yeah. on that, but he's always talked about his health and in relation to especially Astro City, how this book taxes him mentally more than than uh, you know writing Captain America would. So boy, it feels effortless though, doesn't it? It, it totally it's, does. This, this 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 feels like the Kurt Busiek that was running the world in the nineties. Oh, I mean, world. Kurt. I think I think it, it's very easy to say that Kurt Busiek is a big part of the three of us. Being way into comics and when we met and what we were into at the beginning of whatever this whole thing is, mm-hmm. 
I think yeah. that's and, and it's funny because I think I think that Kurt Busiek, I mean, like we're talking this is superhero comics and yeah, and totally. this yes. is straight up superhero comics, and it's interesting to see how Astro City has been able to tap into the things that interest all three of us because all three of us have very differing tastes. Sure. You know, and and you know, and I, I'm you know I'm not going to begin to you know question why you guys like it or not, but <laughs> I know why why I like it is because I love the, I, I just love the the characterization and the interconnection and the sense of history and the sense of location and it just like it's just all this contained little world that I can just get lost in. It's I think I mean there's his notwithstanding the things we were just talking about, but his consistency of yeah. tone yep. of purpose. It's generally. Like he edges into some darker stuff, but it isn't that. It's it really there's a wonder yeah. to all of it uh, that is underlying. And then and then what you've done is you're continu- continuing taking the camera and and focusing on somebody else's point of view. Uh, I always like to think as they look up into the sky or they look down from the sky. Those are yeah. you know that's how this book works. And it's interesting that there's just so many sort of little superhero concepts where I I tend to get sick of them in other places, but but Kurt Busiek has a has a special touch. It's also interesting that we don't get sick of these pastiche characters here, whereas you know every other superhero that's not Marvel or DC for the most part is a Marvel and DC uh, knockoff. But but mm-hmm. here we here we're okay with it. Yeah. I think he, ta- he taps into some sort of primal superhero vein. Uh, that, He's that good at well, it. yeah, because, really well. because also because it's also perpetually 1985. True. You know, what I mean, like, like I think that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a big. I mean, and yes, there's that technology and people have cell phones, things like that. But I get a complete '80s vibe out of it, and yes. there's no need to to take those um, uh, take those pastiches and reinvent them or relaunch them. It just is what it is. This is the Batman esque guy, and this is the Superman esque guy, and this is the Wonder Woman esque woman, and and just and then just celebrate it. That's but what I think. It, I think he does actually get beyond that. You know, yeah. like I, I don't have a, I don't have an analog for this hummingbird character. I think um, it totally does, but it's still grounded in that that story, that sure. world that was built originally on, you know, the the, the Captain America version and the Samaritan and all that stuff. But yeah. it's whatever he's really good at tone wise, it works here. Where I, I get annoyed with it in other, other mm-hmm. other books. Yeah, but he's good. And again, they're not as quite talented as Kirk Music. There you probably. go. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I think that eighty five thing is a really good point. Yes. too. it's yeah. very, it's super grounded. Yeah, and in a way, he's not really trying to break new ground. In, like he's not trying to give you a new twist on superheroes. No, he's, he's just, just stories. doing what he does really well, and we all like what he does really well. So we haven't gotten sick of it. All right, I'm not gonna say I was surprised. I got to the end of it. I thought, well, there's no way that's gonna be pick of the week again. And you said it was pick <laughs> of the week, and I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, I see that. Yeah, I see that. All right. So it, this what this it was almost pick of the week, but I just I could I couldn't quite do it for the because I felt the reason wasn't as as noble as Astro City. But um, Marvel has made a big return to the show. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> noticed that. <laughs> it was a big Marvel week. It was a big Marvel week. That's for sure. But by any chance, did you, you guys read Captain Britain and the Mighty Defenders? Why don't Why don't you take a guess? <laughs> Yes. Well, you missed out, and I'm going to tell you why you missed out for two reasons. Um, right. One is so this is uh, you know a Secret Wars tie-in book. It was written by Al Ewing, but art by Alan Davis. Okay. And we're not talking. Uh, this is uh, good, Alan Davis. Good like, Davis. Like really good, Alan Davis. Like holy shit! Like like I like I've almost forgot how much I love Alan Davis. Alan Davis. But this picks up the thread of the uh, Muslim Captain uh, Britain that Paul Cornell created in Captain Britain right. and the MI13. Do you remember that? Was that yes. or was mm-hmm. that that book? 
Yes, that was it. Yeah. And um, so it's, you know, in the little world of Battle World and Secret Wars, there's a there's a section that is this is very this is a, this is pushing the limits. <laughs> and I'll tell you why it's pushing the limits. This uh, this region of the world, uh, so Tony Stark died and instead gave the Iron Man suit to Dr. Yinsen, and he's yeah. the one who survived and became Iron Man. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, the guy in the cave. Yeah, and so Dr. Yinsen... Dr. Yinsen, it makes me think that he's like a Swede. Yeah. <laughs> but so he becomes, he becomes the head of this section, and it's very Stark-like, and it's very... You know, like, you know, technology, and he's a very Tony Stark analog and that sort of thing. And um, and then for some reason, uh, and I don't know, I, I, you know, like, I know a lot about Marvel, but I don't know what is tying these in together or whatever. But, you know, in this world, um, Spider-Man died, uh, but so the Prowler, you know, c- you know couldn't save him. And so he adopted his identity and became the new Spider-Man, but nobody takes him seriously. It's very strange. She-Hulk is there. As an agent of Thor, which is, she has a gavel. <laughs> All right. right. And so, so the, when you get to the part where this almost was pick of the week. Well, yeah. So about two about two thirds of the way through it, because apparently you get the sense that there's uh, th- their whole city has uh, got a wall around it. And they're trying to protect themselves from something. And basically, right. what happens is that Doctor Yinsen realizes that whatever's going on on Battleworld is wrong, and that maybe Doctor Doom isn't actually a god. And Doom hears this and appears and goes, "Oh well, you don't believe in me." Well, you know, good luck protecting your city from uh, the city next door, Mondo City. And I was like, what is Mondo City? Then all of a sudden, an enormous tank with like 20 guns breaks through the wall. And then within it comes uh, what I can only describe as a Marvel version of Judge Dredd. And it's the Punisher and Emma Frost instead of Judge Dredd and Judge Anderson. And they capture uh, the Captain Britain woman or whatever, and then they show us Mondo City, and it's basically Mega City 1, but instead of the judges, it's the Punisher. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, fun, cool, crazy, but kind of pushing the limits here. (laughs) It's just like, Judge Dredd is not a Marvel character. Right. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Right. That's, it doesn't make it, there's no internal logic to this at all. No, there's none at all. It basically is just like, hey, Al Ewan's British and Alan Davis is a British artist. Let's do Judge Dredd, <laughs> which, uh, which I thought all the Secret Wars stuff was going to have some basis in Marvel reality, but I guess not. And that's okay. It's crazy enough for me to enjoy it. So um, it, it, it ends, the last page has got a, you know, the big shot of Mondo City, which is Mega City, and it's got learn to love your law, and stop thy na- shop thy neighbor, and, you know, and, and it's all very Judge Dredd. <laughs> all right. So, anyway, but it looked beautiful. It was Alan Davis. So good. So. Speaking of that, Hawkeye 22 finally ends this run. Finally. I was, I was really confused at first. Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah. and, I, and I don't want to sound like I'm happy this run's over. This, this was one of, one of my favorite books while it was coming out, and it still remains, to me, the best-looking book on, you know, in comics. But like, it's been so long since 21, and it's been so long since 20, I, I barely remember what was happening. Yep. So, so that really hurt, hurt it for me. That's before. true, and here's the thing. This is, this is like... This book makes us like the battered wives of comics. Like, yeah. I keep... I keep getting mad about it because it's oh, ri- like the schedule is ridiculous. Yeah, but I keep going. It's okay. Come back in. I love you. <laughs> yeah, like I really, it really is. 
Like it's, I was, I want to be angry, and at the end, I was like, "Fuck, that was really good, though." Yeah, no, and that's, and that's the thing is that, like, I can't tell you what happened in issue twenty-one, but by three pages in this, I was totally in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm I, really looking forward to the omnibus. Like, I want to, I want to read these twenty-two issues, minus the Kate issues, you know, all together and sit down and, and really sort of remember what this, this was all about. Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. this whole thing was about these guys trying to buy this building. Yep. <laughs> And then Barney stole his money. Pretty which much. is, which is, you know, New York real estate is pretty cutthroat. It's true. But uh, and is he deaf now? Yeah, oh he's been deaf. That was a thing. Well, yeah, got, I know, I know he's been deaf. Off. But I thought, it, I thought it was temper. I thought it was just like, oh, he, there was a big explosion by his ear. But now he's got hearing aids. I don't remember because it's been such a long time. Yeah, but yeah. something happened. There was the gunshots in the, in the small vestibule when yeah, Barney but, got like, shot. He, he had McCann gave him like super. Stark implant hearing aids or something. Oh. And that was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And, and then this is somehow related to that, but it's been such a long time that yeah. I don't know. I, I I mean, I tend to go with this book. Obviously, at this point, you know, it's on its own. Yeah. yeah it's in its own little bubble. So, I mean, uh, and it's, it's definitely setting the tone for what Hawkeye is in the rest of the world, obviously. Yeah. Um, um, I, the, the, I just want to point out, this, in terms of just storytelling, the reason that I, I'm so forgiving was the sequence, uh, 12-panel page, uh, where where, uh, where Pizza Dog gets shot. That's not what I liked it. But, oh, God. Um, that, even that, you know how much I, I'm not a fan of animals, and even that yeah. got me. I was like, oh. Yeah, no, but ju- <laughs> I, I just, from a, from a pacing standpoint, yeah. like, they slowed down time on that page. Yeah. Uh, and... Like they slow, like you could feel it as you were reading the the section, the section, the page before it, and you saw the dialogue and what was happening. You turn that page, and you, I, 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 you don't see this a lot where you literally feel the comic book page just go. Yep, yep. And that is such a really cool use of storytelling, and it was so well done. He's done this a couple of other times in this, where you know what took place between letting go of the arrow and then you know where it hit. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I I was like, okay, that took you a year to do. Fine. That was well, great. Yeah, like uh, like four like four or five pages after that, when um, uh, Hawkeye's got an arrow on the face painted guy, and the the two panels are showing the guy's got the gun hidden in his yeah. sleeve. Like I was like, oh come on, this is great. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it's like it, it's tough because it, like this, and it's funny because it's like you know it's hard to tell you know, where the magic comes from, how much of it is fraction versus how much it is artist David Aha, you know, but like, and, and, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It just comes together on the page so beautifully and so perfectly. And it's just like, and it's like, it's kind of bittersweet because it's been so long, but this is the last one and it's, you know, and And it's over, but I want more. And if it wasn't so good, it would totally be gimmicky too. Yeah. I mean that, that little, like the one, two panel, like it's, that's super cutesy. But it didn't matter because it's so good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, we said we said this feels very much like a '70s movie, and it and it does right down to the '70s cop who's wearing the old policeman's uniform and has got mutton chops and a, oh, yeah. and a mustache. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. So, so this this could take <laughs> yeah. place in the '70s very easily. Yeah. I can't think of the cop's name. The Al Pacino movie. This is so. longer than regular, right? Uh, yeah, it's four ninety nine. It's got yeah, yeah thirty three yeah. pages digitally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they just you know they took all the all the space they needed just to wrap it up in one issue. It's like Sipowitz, this cop. <laughs> no, I'm, what's the what's the Al Pacino Serpico? Movie? There you go. I was, he's, like, he's like a Serpico extra. That's what he looks yeah. like. Which um, is great. It's just also puppies it, in that. 
there's there's no more complete comic out there than this that yeah. everything works perfectly together. And again, in the hands of a lesser creator, like we talked about with Asher City, this wouldn't work. Yep. And we've seen attempts to mimic this style, despite what they say in the PR. They're totally trying to mimic the style in other books. Yeah. And yeah. it doesn't work as well because these two guys are fantastic together. Yeah, and it's something else. You got it. I mean, you, this team really came up, and that's why you know we're we're talking about the Kate issues or whatever. I think we're drawn by Annie Wu. They're not bad. Yeah. But they're it, just different. You know, well, they're not this. This yeah. is this is a special thing. Um, um, and, and, and it forgives a great deal. Yeah, a couple a couple of other things that I found interesting. Um, uh, towards the end of it, I, I love the page of all the villains uh, agreeing to kill them. Which, right. Which I just, I mean, you know, like it's you know, you don't get any more than one word and one headshot, but it just like it's such a great snapshot of a layer of villainy in the Marvel universe. You know, which is and the idea that they just would all meet like this, like it just it cracks me up. Um, is this tying into the new one? I'm not reading the new one. Are you reading it? Josh, aren't you reading it? Not so far. It's definitely a continuation of those characters because it's, it's Clint and Kate out in the world. But I, I'm going to assume that uh, Lemire and uh, Perez didn't know how this was ending. Right, yeah. Or at least weren't allowed to get ahead of it. Um, so their story seems to exist in its own bubble, too. It could come back in. It, it's interesting that they, that they left a big breadcrumb, basically, that now... I don't know. They probably they probably planned it to a certain extent. This could come up later. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I just I just put together what that page said. By the way, what happened on that page? What do you I mean? Like, oh, he's, that he's Mr. Bishop. That's Kate's dad. I didn't. I yeah, just yeah. yes, oh, yes. Okay, that's um, why it takes a minute to say too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then looks at the photo and that sort of thing. But then the opposite page of it. It's it, you know. Then the next page goes and then and the phone rings and Hawkeye's standing in his apartment with the with an arrow in the bow. <laughs> It's like, By the way, the dog's fine. Right, the dog is fine. The dog just has some bandages, but like, so he's shooting. Like, it's like, what is he doing when the phone rings? Because he's not tar- shooting target practice. Because then they show him hang up, and oh yeah, I guess he is. Okay, I yeah. See. yeah, yeah, I see. I thought I thought the target practice is in another room, but I guess he does it in his living room. Okay, it's a Brooklyn. That's the Brooklyn loft space advantage. Yeah, yeah. There you go. But how did uh, how did Pizza Dog take a shotgun blast and? I guess they couldn't kill the dog. I mean, you can't. Did kill he him always anymore. have Onitsuka tigers? I thought he had Chuckies. Uh, I think he's had multiple. Don't you own multiple kinds of shoes? Yeah, yeah. But, well, but his, his no look different. is fairly. His look is fairly standard. Yeah, but as long as they're purple, he's on yeah. brand. Then. <laughs> I think he had Chuckies at some point, or Adidas. at some point, Chuckies got played out for Clint. And in the middle of all this, he was like, "I need some other purple." Well, shoes. he realized that there's not much padding in the bottom. He's going to run around in them. He's going to have tell some you something. heel problems. I have switched between those two shoes, but it was like ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! So anyway, yeah, so Hawkeye, end of an era, finally wrapped it up. Good job, guys. So. And be sure to pick up the all-new Hawkeye number one, which came out three months ago. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I think that one's delayed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the book uh, that should, I, I assume this is Marvel's big book for the week, is Ant-Man Annual 1, because this is the, the week the movie comes out. <laughs> we we need a number one. Make it an annual. <laughs> yeah. It's on stand. So uh, uh, Nick, Nick, Sco- uh, I'm sorry. Nick, Nick Spencer... Brent Schoonover and Ramon Rosanas. Most of it's uh, Brent Schoonover's because uh, it's a flashback story about when uh, Scott Lang had an adventure with Hank Pym. Um, basically. Oh, quite quite uh, coincidental. How convenient! Yeah. Uh, I have actually i've i've 
I haven't loved this new Ant-Man, but I've enjoyed it well enough. I keep reading it. Um, I really like the guy in the big bear outfit, who I think is very funny. Um, and then I liked the uh, I liked the flashback. I thought um, I th- the art was really nice. I thought uh, Brent did a, a great job. Sort of, uh, he's gonna he's gonna be one of these guys who's put into that that flashbacky or retro role because you know he did, he did Batman sixty six and he can do like sort of old style. Uh, comics, but this doesn't feel like that. It just feels like it fits into that mold of this book's been a little cartoony, I guess. In the same way that, you know, like Steve Lieber was with Spencer on the Superior Foes of Spider Man. And I like that there's been a bit of. They're finally taking some initiative to turn Hank Pym into what they want him to be because he's, bit of, he's been a bit of here and there all over the place, and there's always the specter looming over him of his past and they, they deal with that to a certain extent in this and sort of the, the end bit um, where, where Janet comes in uh, to talk to Scott Lang about what happens it doesn't matter but they basically like he was in a bad place at that time it was there I guess they're sort of making excuses for him um, but it's a, you know it's a single story which adventure is, which, is a very, which is a very Marvel thing to do <laughs> sure sure and then come back and like revise your excuse but it was enjoyable. It was like a it was like a good sort of uh, single single serving of an Ant Man story to get you an idea of where we are and what they're doing. And if you like it and you're into it, then you can keep going with it because the you know Spencer's the writer on the main series, and so that's it's going to be consistent. Um, and I think that what I've realized is happening is that I've been reading this book for a while, completely unexcited about the movie, which you guys are going to talk about in a separate podcast. But I have totally been priming the pump for the version of Ant-Man, I realized. I was like, oh, I'm a sucker. I've been, I've been brought into whatever this is supposed to be. Um, You're a cog in the marketing machine, Josh. I am, and I've been, I've been playing right along with it. Is that bear guy in the movie? No. Should be. <laughs> it's just a man in a big bear suit. He's basically the rhino, but a bear suit, so it's funnier. Didn't they introduce a new giant man in this as well? I, basically, it's Scott Lang is, is the way that it works. There's a conversation about how Scott, you know, wanted like, wanted to be Giant Man, and then he realized, like, no, it's way cooler to be down here among the ants, even though it doesn't seem as cool to everybody else. But then in the end, because um, Hank Pym is assumed to be dead, so uh, they said uh, in in Hank's will, uh, he gave he gave Scott the lab and all the stuff in it, so now Scott can be Giant Man too. That's how I no, read but, it. But isn't Scott? Didn't Scott give it to a? The, oh right, Roz right, yeah, that's, Ultra? That's the last, uh, you're right. The 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 gay geek <laughs> squad guy. I think he's. Uh, Is he in the movie? In, no, Indian or yeah, or, or Middle Eastern. Yeah, yeah, he's not white. Yeah, but he's also he's also gay, which is I don't care. It's it. It did seem like that was a bit of a. I like that character. What one of the things was cool about him is that Egghead captures the guy and he's like, "You will want to get revenge on Hank Pym with me," and he's like, "Yeah, not really." <laughs> like you know, because basically he had been that character had been an expert on AI, and then Hank Pym. Who was like the the granddaddy of all the AI was like no more AI and so it kind of ruined his life. So then he went to work at Geek Squad. <laughs> that was the point. It's not really Geek Squad, but it's whatever this version is. And so he has to mind control him to try to take you know take over Hank Pym because he's like I don't I don't want to kill anybody. Why would I do that? I'm, and how does this tie into Battle World? No idea. Well, it's an annual. It doesn't have to. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Now, I don't really know why he gave him a superhero costume at the end. I think I had because it didn't make any sense that he would do that. Now Other than to, to uh, diversify the line. Yeah, so I forgot about that part. So he said to this Geek Squad guy, you should be Giant Man. Yeah. Hey, you should be Giant Man. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Josh, if you recall, I said Silver Surfer 12 was the last issue of Silver Surfer. 
record. <laughs> that was just willful denial. That was not- yeah. Well, the story of the uh, Silver Surfer and the girl basically ended it in twelve, and this is the the post issue that takes place sort of in Battle World, where he and Don are coming home or going back to Earth from where they were out in space, and you know the Surfer is in tune to the power cosmic and realizes that something's going on that's not right, and then. They run into a bunch of cosmic beings who normally would uh, be, you know, be holding all of the information in the universe, and they have nothing left. Uh, the Never Queen says there's no more future other. And they run into Eternity, as you know, the, the silhouetted character who's got the universe inside of his silhouette. Oh, I love that kit design. Yeah, and he only has one planet and one moon in there, ah. and it's Battle World. It, what's interesting about this is it's existing outside of Battle World, but still in Battle World. So they were off in space and had sort of the reality change around them, but they are not part of that change. And then running into these cosmic beings who are all confused and, you know, not dealing well with the fact that reality has changed and Doom has changed it. And so that's been interesting. And, and uh, I, I liked that 12-issue romance between the two of them. But this, if, and if you're going to deal with Battle World, this is an interesting way to do it with characters who are not directly a part of it. So it's, that, this was all right. I was okay with this. Um, and the Mike Allred art continues to be awesome. Ron, I don't know why you're not reading this. Yeah, I don't know why I'm not reading it either, to be honest with you. I might go back and read the whole run. I've heard such su- such uh, good stuff, but uh, yeah. As an Allred fan, uh, this has been just wonderful. And this, you, you know, as a Marvel fan, this is great. I mean, Silver yeah. Surfer's a great character. Uh, this has been sort of a, a wacky romance in space comic, and now it's now they're, they're dealing with Battleworld. I don't know how long they're going to deal with Battleworld. I don't know how long this book's going to go. I don't know if it's going to get rebooted after. Is Battleworld over? No. Never, no, never. Never. It never ends. September. No. September. We are all Battle World now, Josh. Yeah. There, there, there is only Battle World. <laughs> and we were all Battle World. And we were, and we were all, all Battle World. world. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But there is another issue. So I do know that. All right, that's good. So I'm not prepared to say this is the last one. Okay. Well, we're not, not. He's not. He's not saying it isn't, though. <laughs> I want everyone to make sure they caught that nuance. <laughs> he's not. He's not saying that this isn't the last issue. Right. I'm just not prepared to. He's not to. saying it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's growth. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you will. All right. So, and if you want to ensure that this is not the last episode of iFanboy, head over to iFanboy.com slash support, where you can <laughs> find out ways that you can help out iFanboy. Is that where we're at? Are we threatening? No. Uh, we, we just don't know. Just like, just, I, I, we, we're not prepared to say it. Just like the comics, it might, you never know. It'd be a real um, shame if something was to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so if you would like to, uh, if you are like we running help- protection on our own show? <laughs> Whatever Maybe. works, man. It's a cutthroat world out there. <laughs> Listen, it's a real, be real shame if something happened to your podcast. It's a nice microphones. Be real shame they fell off the table. Real shame if we had to start talking about Patreon. Real shame. All right, so uh, so don't let that happen. Uh, go to ifanboy.com slash support. Um, the easiest and probably the best way for you to help support iFanboy is uh, click on the link to Amazon from our site. And anytime you buy anything from Amazon, we get a couple uh, percentage points off of that. We, we, we get some of the VIG. Um, and that way you get the stuff you want to buy, and we get a little money. So that's, that's great. If you want to help directly, um, you can click through to find out uh, info about the iFanboy memberships program, where for $3 a month or $30 a year, you can give us your money to show your support and if you don't want a recurring uh, donation you can make a one-time donation through paypal there very easily uh so go to ifanboy.com support and we thank everyone for your support of ifanboy
I almost said, and we thank you for your support of All About Android just by, like, muscle memory. <laughs> but I didn't. This is like you're talking to us about your other girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah your, there's your script error. You can delete that book because we just talked about it. <laughs> so uh, moving on back to Battleworld. Uh, <laughs> How many of these are you reading? <laughs> Not many. I mean, Because anyway. it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, <laughs> Feels like a lot of them. <laughs> anyway, um, I just wanted to mention Years of Future Past uh, number three again because Mike Norton's still drawing it, still doing great, and the the big twist was that turns out Kitty Pride and Colossus's daughter and the 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 teenage boy that was running around with Wolverine that I assumed was Wolverine's son uh, is actually uh, Kitty Pride and Colossus's son, their their brother and sister. Hmm. In a very Star Warsian twist, so much in fact that they said they're like, "Whoa, this is pretty Star Wars." <laughs> but Mike Norton doing a great job. Just is it September just a, yet? Just a great job. Oh God, it's not even close to September. <laughs> and then finally, um, I also read Siege Number One, uh, which had uh, Kieran Gillen's return to writing Abigail Brand, uh, which was funny because I was like, "Siege? Who cares about that?" <laughs> It was right? good. That, that, that was a it was a but it was a four issue miniseries. Like I'm like this gets a battle world, but it was interesting to see how they tied into yeah. it. And, and it was great to see Kieran. Everything gets a battle world. Yeah, you're, you're battle all world. battle world. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually enjoyed it, and uh, the art on it, uh, Philippe Andrade was just was really really good. And there was a couple of double page spreads by other artists like James Stoko and stuff like that, which were awesome. So uh, see, Siege actually was surprisingly awesome. Justice League 42 is part two of the Dark Side War. And even though the mythology behind that war is a little convoluted, uh, this issue was fun because uh, the Justice League, uh, while recuperating from fighting the Anti-Monitor, uh, Metron shows up, you know, the, the new god of the Mobius chair. And uh, they realize that in, in trying to interrogate him for information, that he doesn't actually have the information, the chair does, and he's the conduit. So they rip him out of the chair, and Batman jumps into the Mobius chair, and now he has all of... The, he has all of the infinite wisdom of the universe, and uh, he uses it to A, find out who killed his parents, and B, find out who the Joker really is. And uh, he has, when he asks the chair what, what the Joker's true name is, he reacts quite like Luke does when Luke is told Vader is his father. And he says, no, that's not possible. Is the Joker Vader? Maybe. Who's the Joker? We're not, we're not told. Only Batman knows. He's yeah. in the chair. Oh, I see. So they didn't actually tell it. Oh, okay. I see. No, he, oh. he knows. I like uh, he knows who's in the chair. He knows about who. Like for years, uh, you've talked to like fans. You've been like, well, "Would yeah. you want to know who the Joker was?" And and I feel like the answer is like, "No, I don't want to know who that's." But Batman, as soon as he gets a chance, immediately, yes, I have to know. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't well, want his, any of that ambiguity. His life's in direct danger, as opposed to ours. Sure. Uh, so he asks yeah. who kills his parents, and he says, "Yes, yes, Joe Chill." And then what's the Joker's true name? And it tells him, and he says, "No, that's not possible." And then we never, we never get to find out. Have we never seen? Batman in the Mobius chair. I feel like I've seen that. It was in like like in. It could have been in Final Crisis, or uh, I don't know, maybe like Cosmic Odyssey or something. Like a long time ago. Like I feel uh, like I've seen that. I don't think he was in for Cosmic Odyssey, but uh, now he's now he's a Bat God, so he doesn't want to get up, up the chair. Wow. Next issue. I can't Bat believe. God. Well, I can't well, believe Grant Morrison never thought of that. If you were a Bat God, would you want to get out of the chair? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get out of that chair. It looks like a comfortable chair. Yeah, I know. There's a, listen. You know, there's something to be said a, for a comfy chair. Is there a waste management system in that chair? <laughs> like, do you have to get out of the chair, or is it like like in Wally? <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, um, 
So Black Canary number two by Brendan Fletcher and actually Annie Wu. Of I Hawk. just realized that they have to poop in those chairs in Wally. Oh, jeez, stop. <laughs> right. They do. Uh, There's no way they're not pooping. They, can, they can't even move on their own. No, yeah, no, I know. I just, uh, anyway. Right. Um, uh, so Annie Wu on art who had worked on Hawkeye we mentioned previously. So I don't know what this is. Yeah. Or how it ties into DC, or what I've known of that Black Canary, but yeah. it's it's a fun book. I, I like the it, look at it. I like the feel of it. it but like I like okay, yeah. it caught my eye. Yeah, I didn't actually read it, but I sort of examined it for a bit before yeah. deciding I didn't want to read it. But it looked really good, and it caught my eye. So. When I saw it on the list, I thought, okay, well, I did see something there. So that's yeah. that's something. No, yeah, there's definitely something there. I mean, if I was a Black Canary fan, I'd probably be up in arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's, in the, it's indicative of how nothing makes sense to DCU, but as its own sort of rock and roll superhero show, yeah. super fun. It's, you know, this punk rock group led by Black Canary uh, fighting crime on the road. And that's great. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever in the, in the greater context of DCU, which... I know I keep harping on, but I just I would like some context. There isn't any, and uh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, fine. exactly. All like fine. I don't want oh. any context. I, I find it funny that uh, that it it goes against everything I I think of or know of the character, which I kind of like. I kind of like that kind of you know um, direction or change of direction. Um, I think Brendan Fletcher did a great job on it um, on, on writing it, and it's and I'm going to keep reading it. I read the first issue. I'm going to read the second issue. So. What you didn't see was when I said that's fine. My hand was shaking. <laughs> yeah, as the DC it's fine. fan. Right? It's totally yeah, it's fine. fine. Yeah, no, it's no, fine. No, no, no. The DC user's all fucked up. Nothing makes sense. It's totally good. I'm fine with it. It's, it's happening. Yeah, so. It's all fine. Yeah, it's fine Connor, one word for you. Battle world. <laughs> yeah. Well, think, how I, think how I feel right now. <laughs> Well, I had convergence. It wasn't yeah, that different. True. Yeah, yeah, but it was, but it, but it ended. That's true. The fact that they're both just <laughs> doing whatever the hell it is they're doing right now is yeah. uh, we've never been here. <laughs> I know. I know. There's no history for this. There's no context. Uncharted waters. Yeah. Whereas, like you know, over at other publishers, we're used to this. It's not supposed to be a cohesive universe. It's not supposed to be a history. So sure, within little pockets, but for the most part, you know that that's what we're used to. But. There's no precedent. Be completely so. untethered at both Marvel and DC for a long time at the same time. Yep. That's that's some, that's uh, we're through the looking glass here, people. <laughs> now I have a rule: the the Queen and Country artist addendum. Mm-hmm. Any artist who did a Queen and Country arc, those are my guys. And so Jason Sean Alexander put out a book from Image called Empty Zone. Wait a I minute, re- that's not like a rule. I'm not aware of this rule. The rule would be like, I read anything they do. Just saying you like them isn't a rule. I I usually do try. I always notice the stuff. I try to read the stuff they do. I read through that whole friggin' Vertigo series by Leandro Fernandez. I don't know what that was. Um, (laughs) Listen, it's a a little bit I'm doing here at the beginning. I like like your commitment. I'm impressed. Yeah, and it's a long time because they haven't done Queen of the Country in a long time. (laughs) But no, I really like Jason Sean Alexander's work. Or at least I did a lot when I was younger. I'm, I'm, I'm a little further away from that style now, but it, it is gorgeous. However, um, so Empty Zone number two came out this week, and I wasn't around when you did number one, but I, I gave another. It's, it's like a pretty bleak, post-apocalyptic world with a punker chick. And there's a lot of that. Is it Tank Girl? Maybe, may, might as well. You know, she's a robot arm. It's a gorgeous book. It's so good looking. But I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little not uh, You're a little sort of like that. I don't know. I just it's it's not it's not sucking me in. There's some really cool ideas about it. You know, it's the same it's the same world that Starve takes place in. It's the same world that 
because we're probably case place in it's the same word. like it's just well, you like, know there's a lot of anxiety and that no i know it's totally in, in work it's, right? no it's totally indicative i i think it's amazing that this is the reflection that we're seeing of the world that we're seeing in the in the work um but there's a lot of it um and this book strong suit is is the, is the look of it it's really you know like he's not a name that i think a lot of people know but uh he's a he's a hell of an artist um super inky very i don't want to say photorealistic but it's it's definitely not a cartoony style you know he's got he's got a, a grimy world vision for this um and it's and it's pretty vague it's not it's not super spelled out for you so you kind of just have to get in and run around with it but i'm going to i'm going to keep reading it cuz i really like the way it looks i want i want to see what they do with it um but that's the thing to check out if you know who Jason Sean Alexander is and who's this uh, from image who are those and, guys I don't. I don't know. I'm always. It's awkward bringing it up. Uh, <laughs> finally, uh, I want to talk about Godzilla in Hell. Uh, Ron, you mentioned James Stoko earlier, so this is exactly what it sounds like. It's Godzilla in Hell, and you might be wondering what kind of story is in Godzilla in Hell. He falls into hell. There's no dialogue. Like through um, a hole. Yeah, literally. The very first shot is him falling through a hole into hell, hmm. um, and he fights a demon and then falls down another hole. Um, and and this is also from Dark Horse, IDW. Um, That's right, IDW. But much like uh, I will tell you, it's uh, it's preferable to Hellboy in Hell. <laughs> um, you really don't like that story. <laughs> I don't. I don't even remember if it finished or not. But it was. Uh, yeah, I did not like that. I wanted to. It's a more like Hellboy in Mexico, which was everything you wanted it to be and more. Um, it was really cool. It's fun. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, there's not a ton of substance there, but if you want to see James Stokoe draw Godzilla in hell getting in a fight, um, that's what you're going to get. Um, and it's completely wordless? Yeah. No dialogue. Well, who would talk? In hell? Yeah. There's nobody there other than the other. There's another big demon lizard thing that maybe. Demons... Some... Well, he was Godzilla like. Right. He got in a fight with a, with a. He got in a fight with a giant beast. I mean, that's what Godzilla does, right? Right. So it was, it was great. All right. There's number one? Yep. Yep, there's or more. There's a one shot. There's more. More holes to hold on. Okay. That's fine. Those are the comics we wanted to talk about. Go to ifanway.com. You can find the post for this show, and you can talk about these comics, other comics, whatever you read this week. You can do that at ifanboy.com. And uh, I still, though these many years later, I still want to say ifanboy.com slash comics. It's still in my muscle memory. So let's do an audience question. Norman from Canada writes and says, I had some questions about Comic-Con. Living up in Canada, I've never had a chance to go to any of the really big expos, i.e. San Diego, Wizard World, etc. I've gone to the ones here in Calgary, but I feel like the ones there are on another level. I've always wanted to go to one of the big ones, but I'm afraid San Diego might be too intimidating and difficult to get past this to. Any recommendations on this or other good cons, cities to visit? Any general advice for a first-time con-goer? Um, and yeah, I thought this was good timing, you know, you know, after San Diego just wrapped up last week and, and yeah, exactly. And, and there's been discussion too, I think, uh, around the comics industry about the different cons and the levels that they're at and whatever. Well, there always is. I mean, that's an yeah, ongoing, totally. yeah. ongoing well, conversation, but somebody, uh, it was, uh, Mahmoud Azwar said something. It's just like every year you get the articles that like it's outgrown comics and I'm sick of reading it. And I was like, you're totally right. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, carry on. Um, but yeah, but that's so. That, I mean, that said, you know, the the I think we've all been to a lot of conventions, and we've been lucky enough to go to different cities and things like that. But if you're coming from Canada and you're looking like you want to go to San Diego, but it's too intimidating or difficult to get passes to or whatever, um, and you've gone to Calgary, 
dude, just hop over the border and go to Emerald City Comic Con. Yep. Period. Yep. And full stop. Done. Like, the, like that will give you the better than the cons in Canada experience that you're looking for without the intimidation of San Diego. So, did, have you been to Toronto? Fan Expo? Yeah. Ron, did you ever go to that one? No, I never did. Never did. That's a big one. I think, uh, yeah, no, I think that's a good one or whatever. But I, I mean, if, like, the, Seattle's the big one right now in, yeah. in terms of the one that, like, the most creators really love. You know, like, they love to go there. It's a very comic-centric show. It's big. It's crowded. I mean, you're going to get that big experience. But it's in a cool place. It's not, like, you know, San Diego is a different thing. And there's nothing wrong with that thing. But and I don't think it's intimidating. I think it's complex. Yeah, I think it's, it's not intimidating. I think the hardest thing about San Diego is getting past us and getting a hotel. Yeah. Exactly. The show itself is, is, is what it is. It's, I went there with, with, with people from work, and a bunch of them had their, it was their first time, and there was a whole array of uh, reactions to it. Some people thought it was overwhelming. Some people loved it. And, but it, it, yeah. it is what it is. It's just the hardest part about San Diego is, is getting into it. Yep. So, I mean, I, I think that I, I, my first thing was like, check out, check out Seattle. I think that's going to give you that thing without that heavy edge. It's, you want to be a comic-focused show? I know a lot of people like Heroes, but it's not going to give every not everybody's going to be there. That's in North Carolina. That's certainly going to give you the American experience uh, in a different way than San Diego. Does how's C two E two shaping up these days? C two C two E two actually is is good. Is um I mean it's it's an interesting show in that it's in Chicago, but where the convention center is, it's not like it's kind of away from the city. Like it's mm-hmm. it's you know not as bad as Rosemont, thankfully, but um. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, it's a really nice convention center, a lot of space to breathe, a lot of breathing room, uh, one of the best artist alleys yeah, the, uh, the, in the country. The whole Midwest seems to go to that show, and there's a lot yeah. of great artists in the sort of middle of, of America. Yeah, yeah. I think if you want to avoid San Diego as a thing, which I can understand because it, it's really a hell of an investment, and it's it's a crapshoot sort of if you're going to get tickets or not. Like These other things are, are sure bets, and you are, you're going to have a great time. Like they're great comic yeah. shows. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think Emerald City is the best show in the country. Period. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. All right. There well, hopefully go. that helps you, uh, Norman. So, on to our next email. Dave from Beverly, Mass. Says, outside of the movies, do you guys have a favorite Star Wars expanded universe story, Ooh. story arc, or run? Even a prose book, if you've read any. I think one or two stated in the past. You really have no interest in the franchise other than the movies, but I can't remember which. Uh, that, that's Connor, correct? <laughs> that's Connor, but he's still read a lot. We read but a that, lot. That, that's going forward. I've read a hundred. You know, feels like hundreds of the books. Well, it's funny because we this actually just came up this week because someone uh, somehow the conversation uh, fell to the Star Wars prose novels, and I revealed that um, I spent most of the '90s reading them. Yeah, um, I read. I read. Oh. I want to say dozens and dozens and dozens of those books. Well, the the one I the one the one that I stopped. I can tell you which one I stopped. If it's the same one. It's the because it, the 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 book was announced and they were starting the PR swing and they said this is the book where Chewbacca dies. Yep. And I went, you know, I don't really want to live in a world where Chewbacca is not <laughs> around. And I said, I'm not, I'm I'm good. And I never I didn't buy it. I, and that I've never looked back. See, I didn't have a a moment like that. I remember when that happened, but I, I, I actually think read I had already the book in college, and I, I threw it away. It, never... it was like '99. It was late, right? It I can was, tell uh, you. Yeah. I can tell it you when I stopped year. though. I remember exactly the moment. I think I was, I was in the middle of the second or third Rogue Squadron book, and I just thought, "What am I doing?" Oh, the Rogue Squadron books were <laughs> having great. fun, I having know, a no, great I time. That. I know that, but Enjoying I just yourself? I saw a whole path in front of me, and I was like, "I just, I don't want to keep doing this forever." Because I could, you could just, you could just exist on you, you Star know Wars. You know what's funny is that, and now it's 2015, and where are you at? 
No, I know. I know. Uh, but I had like I'd gone through this like period of a couple of years where I was basically just reading Star Wars book. I started out like I didn't even know they were a thing, and I read all the Thrawn books, and I read uh, Heir to the Empire. Is it Heir to the Empire? Heir to the Empire. Yeah, that's yeah. the middle one. Yep. By the way, that's my favorite. And then the second set of Thrawn books, and then the Tales of, and then I was reading Rogue Squadron, and I thought I'm 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 muddying the waters too much. Yeah. And I think this was probably just after the Phantom Menace. And so that was a bellwether to me. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, the time. You read them late because yeah. yes, those no, were totally. coming out when we were in high school. No, I, I know. Was... Yeah, no, I will, never, I will never forget the day I walked in to the bookstore in my town and it had to have been ninth or 10th grade, maybe, maybe even eighth grade. It was like early 90s and I saw the first Zahn book. And yep. I just was like, "What is this?" <laughs> and and I had thought they'd been coming out. Like I thought it was kind of like Han Solo at Stars and what you know, like that. You know, the the old the old stuff. I thought they had been out, and I just didn't know about it. But then I found out, like, no, it just came out, and I bought the hardcover and devoured it. Devoured yeah. it. It was those gr- books are huge t- page turners. Oh, they're. And so- then, the thing is, I read most recent. I read Scoundrels that came out. A couple, that came out in 2013. Oh, how was it? Uh, it was fun. I mean, the reason why I liked it was because it was just a tale of. Han, Chewie, and Lando back when they were, you know, pre-Star Wars, when they were when they were running a heist, basically. And, and Lobot, did he call him Low? Um, <laughs> no, Lobot wasn't in the book. We're, we're not we're not answering uh, we're not answering Dave's question though. So Con- so Connor uh, and or Josh, what was your favorite of those stories? Well, nothing I think will ever beat the feeling of those first three Zon books. Okay. It really yeah. did feel like there's this the yeah. new trilogy of stories. Yeah, and I, I think I that's really, like if I had to pick a favorite out of out of all of them. I really do love those, and they were a really fun experience. I really liked Heir to the Empire because of the way that it sat in the middle so well, which is funny because it's totally the thing that bugs me about the Star Wars comics now, but I was younger. Um, and then the other thing is uh, Tales, Tales of the Bounty Hunters. Um, Tales of the say, Bounty Hunter is like my favorite thing on Earth. I was going to say, t- for me, Tales of the Bounty Hunters and Tales from Jabba's Palace both yeah. stand out as just like... The, Cantina the, is different than Jabba's Palace. Well, I'm sorry? So. There's also Cantina, right? No, that's the Tales from Jabba's Palace. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, well, that was what's great about that was if you if you were like me and you played the Star Wars role playing game. Yep. All those characters from the cantina became real, and then they had stories about them in the books, and that was a whole period of time in high school where yep. that whole world was getting fleshed out through that through the game and through the books. Which was a, see, high school for me was like it was a dark time. I was trying to like I was like go play basketball and. Then I got to college and I met you guys and people like you and I was like oh no this is where I belong. Well, I played that's sports why I and read these books, Josh. Yeah, I know. You can do both. <laughs> no, but I didn't. The point is, I didn't want to. It's not your fault. And also, I was. I was. And this is key. I was not good. <laughs> and here's the thing: a lot of people will tell you it doesn't matter if you win or lose or how you. That's bullshit. If you suck, it sucks. <laughs> Period. Yeah. Oh, gosh. All right. This is not a therapy session. Um, but yeah. So this- I, I differ. I beg to differ, my friend. What else has this show been, Rod, but a 10-year <laughs> therapy session? One long extracted therapy. <laughs> there's, there's a lot less subtext now, though. Yeah. <laughs> so it's anyway, like, yeah. yeah, I don't have time to be sub. There you go. Um, what's, fu- what's funny, though, is that we're talking mainly about the pros and that collectively I don't think any of us really read a lot of the expanded universe and the comic side of things. But the only one I did read was the Dark Empire one. Yes, that w- which was like the first one. That was the book of the month. Yeah, yeah back then. it was great. Yeah, well, no, that was when they came back. But it, yeah, right, yeah, no, the book of the month, the right? Yeah, yeah, the, the Cam Kennedy, right? Yeah, it was the book of the yes. month. I forgot. I yeah. liked uh, I like Knights of the Old Republic, the games. Okay, the first, and second ones. Those are great. The things that well, sort of, you're talking like, games. For me, there's the, Whoa, the there's all, off this those are story earth. though. Yeah, yeah, but for me, there's only one game that with story that mattered to me, and that was the Dark Forces. That was awesome. Oh God, I played that game so much. I wonder if I can get an emulator of that game. 
That, that was the first person shooter with um oh what was his name Kyle Katarin. Did either That's of you the one that I got as far as IG88 and I quit? Oh, I finished it. It was awesome. Did either of you play the the uh, the Atari Empire Strikes Back game? Yeah, totally. In which you just you just shot at the Adats over and over again. Yeah. Oh, no, every no, single no. game since then has that some version of it. <laughs> no, everyone. Well, they all tried to do that. Yeah, everyone. I mean, and um, I, I love the Super Nintendo, the Super Star Wars, Super Empire Strikes Back, Super Return of the Jedi. I yes, played those yes, like yes. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dark Forces was great. Anyway. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> I think you got what you wanted there. Yeah, there you go. You can email us at contact.fanboy.com or call our voicemail at 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. It can be a non-Star Wars-related question, although we will take them, clearly, yeah. <laughs> and run with them. So, He's in the zeitgeist. Uh, so, uh, it's almost you as are. if they think we've used up our G.I. Joe quotient. We'll also talk about G.I. Joe. It's been a while. In fact, there was a fantastic shipwreck cosplayer at, at, uh, at San Diego. Wow. Was he doing a bad Jack Nicholson? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done it in a while. That's what that's what shipwreck was. Just a bad Jack. Yes, no, it was. But what you just did what you just did was something completely different. <laughs> no, but I did see Christian Slater, so it's kind of like doing a bad Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Check out a couple of upcoming shows. Ron and I and uh, our fanboy staffer Mike Romo talking Ant Man. You can find that show. On the feed right behind this one or at ifanboy.com. So we talked the new uh, Marvel Studios film Ant-Man starring Paul Rudd. And in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be talking about the latest DC Universe animated original movie, Justice League Gods and Monsters, which is uh, Bruce Timm's return to the line with an Elseworlds tale about uh, evil versions of the Justice League. Interesting. So we look forward to those two shows. Uh, you can find the first one right now, and the second one's coming up in a few weeks. All right. Uh, and you can go over to ifanboy.com where you can find that Ant Man show as well as this show. Uh, show notes uh, for all podcasts are posted there, and you can comment on them, talk about this week's books, uh, interact with the community. It's a vibrant community of diehards who just won't leave, and we love them for it. <laughs> um, and if you can't get enough. <laughs> if you can't get enough, uh, head over to facebook.com slash ifanboy and be sure to follow ifanboy on Twitter at ifanboy. And if you uh, want to descend further into the madness, you can follow us individually on Twitter. You can find Josh at at Flanagan, Connor at, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and I am at Ron XO. Hey, All right. if you like this show, you could write a review on iTunes or you could help spread the word on your social media feeds or you could tell people about it in person. What you want to do is you want to go to a comic shop and you want to hear two guys going, well, you know, I, I like him, man. And then you go, excuse me. If you want to hear what some dudes uh, who know their shit think about it, <laughs> go here. And that's exactly how you should say it. You should make them feel lesser and that we are better. <laughs> uh, you know what? Actually, maybe, maybe road test that. See how that goes. But uh, seriously, you guys, you are our advertising PR and marketing firm. So get on that. We want to see results. Yeah, we're gonna status meeting next week. <laughs> we 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 got a quota. All right, we gotta bring it to the board. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you right. can also give me those deck pages. Oh, yeah, we're gonna need. Listen, we need a deck. We need a deck. That's what we're missing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, until next week. I'm Connor. I'm Ron. What sort of percentage of the audience you think was okay with was had that deck joke? <laughs> How narrow do you think I have cast? <laughs>
on overdrive life at home is hard to survive your friends come over to give you a ride your mom says you can't because you lie you don't say nothing that builds up inside feels like you hit your funny bone again except it's more like lightning in your veins